Welcome to 66 Lessons for Life, the weekly radio program recorded live at the Naples Conference Center in Naples, Florida. Taught by our teacher, John Garepa, an attorney who guides us in the way of wisdom with a biblical worldview. You're invited to join us for the study. We are in Joshua chapter 4. We're going to finish that before we begin with Joshua chapter 5. It's been an interesting series so far as we understand what God is doing with the Jewish people. Here they are. They've been wandering in the desert for 40 years. They were given the opportunity to go into the promised land 40 years earlier, but they sent spies in. And when the spies came back and said, there's giants, there's giants, we're going to be killed. And so instead of uh, honoring God and following God's directive, they fell to sin. They walked away from God's word. And so God condemned them to walk 40 years in the wilderness. And now after that sojourn of 40 years, they now come and are ready to go and cross the Jordan River and once again to go into the promised land, into Canaan. And so God is preparing the people now. He's preparing the people as they do this. And, and we studied last week about how God said that they had to consecrate their hearts and ask God to come into their hearts and take the sin out of their hearts. And so as they did that, God then said, and now when you cross the Jordan River, the Ark of the Covenant, the very embodiment of God, will precede you into the water. And it's going to go 3,000 feet ahead of the 3 million Jews. And so God ordered them to take the Ark into the river. And we know that the river at the wintertime when God wanted them to cross was more than a mile wide. And so as as the ark was brought into the river, the water immediately began to recede. And we know from uh, studying our lessons on this that the water backed up so much so as the ark stood there right in the middle of the river that all three million Jews could cross over. An amazing victory for God's people. Another example of the power of God to take care of his people, just as he had done on the crossing of the Red Sea. And we know that the enemies of God's people saw this. They had already talked about the fact that their God was the real God, that their God was the God that took them through the Red Sea, that their God was the God that took them out of Egypt. They knew about it. The Satan knows who God is. We know this. Satan knows who God is. And so they understood that they were dealing with some incredible force, uh, even as they were opponents. And so now they, they come out, they come out of the river and they cross across. And now we're going to study, God is going to speak to them through Joshua about the issue of memorializing when God has touched your heart. Do we remember when God has shown his beneficence on us? Do we go back? Do we thank him? Do we tell our family members? Do we tell the world? And that's what we're going to study here as we begin this with, uh, John, with Joshua chapter 4, verse 1. We're going to read seven verses on this. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests stood, and to carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. Imagine that. Take 12 stones right 
from the middle of the river and carry those stones, each tribe, take one, and carry it across uh, to the bank. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan, each of you to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you in the future. When your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. How do you like that? A memorial forever to the people of Israel, to the people of God forever. And as we read this... We all, it goes on to tell us that as those stones were put on the banks, Joshua himself gathered 12 other stones and put those stones in the riverbed where no one would see it. No one would know it except the Jewish people that had crossed over. And those stones in the middle of the river were meant strictly for the Jewish people to be mindful of the fact that God had taken care of them. So there are stones on the bank of the river that are for future generations then there are stones in the middle of the river just for uh, the people that had crossed. And you see how God wants us to live. God wants us to live a life that memorializes the work that he has done for us. This is a critical thing. Uh, we don't just live for today. We don't just live for ourselves. I've said this before. Each and every one of you are meant to be the priest of your home. You're meant to be the priest of your home. What does that mean? You are meant to be the religious and spiritual leader in your house. It's a big deal. Are you the guy who is calling the family together? Are you the guy that's challenging the family to live for God? Are you the guy that's saying we need to go and worship together? We need to pray together. We need to study the Bible. Because if you're not the guy that's doing that, then you're falling down before God. And here's the lesson, the memorial stones, the memorial stones. And you understand this, you see it. Uh, and so God is making it very clear. God is making it very clear that he expects us to reach out and to remember his work. What did God do for us and how do we teach our other generations? Turn to Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four. And this is a set of verses that pious Jews will even repeat today, often. You will hear this. Rabbis will say this often. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts, memorial stones. Impress them on your children, underline it. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. How do you like that, folks? Write them on the door on the doorposts and gates of your house. In other words, in every aspect of your life, as you walk, as you talk, 
memorialize what God has done for you. You want to have your children be with Christ? You want to have your children have a godly life? This is the, this is the essence. Impose this upon their childhood. Let them know what it means to you. And, and I know that, that many of us are beyond the age of having children in our house. We may have grandchildren. But you need to pass this on to your grandchildren. This is a big deal. You know, that's why we wear these wristbands. As for me in my house, we will follow the Lord. That's the deal. You're the priest of the house. What kind of examples have we been? And I know that many of us have not been walking with God years before. And God has taken us out of that walk and has brought us closer. And some of us look back and wish that we had done things differently. But you know what? That's over. We don't dwell on the past. We dwell on the future. God has given you a wonderful opportunity to impact your family. This is what you have to do. Look at this. When I read these verses, boy, it makes my, my heart jump for joy. As I see what God says, even in our walk, wherever we are, repeated, walking with God, repeating the words of God, showing the world what it means to be sold out to Jesus Christ. Talk about it when you sit at home and when you walk, around the, walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. You know, the, the Pharisees used to have these and tie them around, around their necks. They tied these verses around their necks. Now, look, merely tying the verses around your neck is not enough. The question is, is it tied around your heart? The memorial stones, are they tied around your heart? Uh, and I'm really impressed here as I see how God wants his people to live. Look, he took these people who had wandered for 40 years in the desert because they didn't honor God the first time. And he was going to take every aspect of the Egyptian life out of them. And you know that every one of them that was over the age of 20 when they left Egypt died in the desert. Not one, including Moses and Aaron made it to the promised land, all right? God is delivering us from the former way of life. And in order to do that, we have to repeat, understand what his promises are. And we have to make ourselves dedicated. We have to say, God, help me, Lord. I want to be a priest of the home. I want to be an example to, to my friends. I want them to see what you have done for me. And when you do that, when you do that, God will step up for you. This is a big deal. It's a big deal. So big that you see it on day one, effectively day one of the people uh, of the Israelites entering into the promised land. And now we're going to go to Joshua chapter five. As now we set, we stand there on the on Gilgal, on the banks of Gilgal as we've just crossed the river. And so now God is going to do incredible things to the Jewish people as they congregate now on the bank after crossing the Jordan River. Joshua chapter 5, verse 1. Now when all, all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until we had crossed over, their hearts melted and they had no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. How do you like that, by the way? You like that? You like the fact that before you did one single thing, you didn't pick up a weapon, you didn't sit and make a plan, you didn't do any kind of military preparation, and God had already weakened your enemies. That's what it means to be a man of God. That's what it means when you give God your heart and you say, Lord, I'm, I'm yours. Look how God protects you. 
At that time, verse 2, at that time the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gilbeth Harloth. Now this is why he did so. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age, died in the desert on the way after leaving Egypt. That is, anybody over the age of 20. All the people that came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the desert during the journey from Egypt had not. The Israelites had moved about in the desert 40 years until all the men who were of military age when they left Egypt had died since they had not obeyed the Lord. For the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land that he had solemnly promised their fathers to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So he raised up their sons in their place, and these were the ones Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the place has been called Gilgal to this day. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate of the produce of Canaan. Now, what a picture this is of how God works. Can you imagine? They cross over. Their enemies are quaking in fear. Their enemies are ready to be defeated. And if we were men, military men, what would we have said? Attack. Move forward. This is the time. We've got them where they want, where we want them to be. They're weak. They're fearful. We can take them. And God says, not so fast. Not so fast. There's a very big difference between your time and God's time. And so you see how God works. God wants to make sure that whatever he does in your life, you recognize he did it. Not you. He did it. So he, what does he do? He tells Joshua that they have to be circumcised. Now, can you imagine you want, you want to lay low an entire military for certainly weeks? Circumcise them. They can't even get off the ground. I don't know about you, but I'm crossing my legs right now even while I'm speaking to you. I mean, there's no anesthesia. They just took some flint knives. Can you imagine what this had to be like? An entire nation all getting circumcised at once? They couldn't possibly defend themselves uh, from a physical military attack. And God wanted it that way. It's not about you. It's about me. That's what I learned so much as I study Scripture more and more. The, the seemingly uh, simple things that you would think make sense. Oh, I'm sure God wants me to step up right now. i got to do it. No, no, no. No, the question is, what is God's will for you? We don't just step up. We don't do these things. We pray. And so you see this here. God says, no, you're not going to strike a paralyzing blow 
in your own strength. Whatever I do for you, you will see it's me alone. You will see it's me alone. And so the first thing we have to do is we have to circumcise. Uh, and this is an amazing situation because the last time they had circumcised was as they left Egypt. They did that. They did that. They did the circumcision as they left Egypt, and they hadn't done it since. So in 40 years, there had been no circumcision as they wandered through the desert. Now, the interesting thing about this is that this act of circumcision is not just a simple surgical act. I don't want you to think that this is just some simple act of surgery that's going on. As God looked at this, this was an important covenantal right. This was a very important position. Uh, turn with me to Acts chapter 7, verse 8. Then he gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision, and Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him eight days after his birth. Later, Isaac became the father of Jacob, and Jacob became the father of the twelve patriarchs. Now, turn with me as you see that reference in Acts. Go back to Genesis chapter 17, verse 7. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you. This is God speaking to Abraham. Between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you are now an alien, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. And by the way, if you have any doubt as to the uh, appropriateness and propriety of Israel to be established, I give you the deed. Okay? Here's the deed. You want to know where the deed is? It's right here. Then God said to Abraham, verse 9, as for you, you must keep my covenant. You and your descendants after you for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring, whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Underline that last part. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Well, folks, can it be any clearer? God makes it clear. You are my people. You are my man. I will, be, I will be your God. I will go with you wherever you go. You will be the chosen people. You will be a nation of priests. But, but, this is a covenant. I want to have in your flesh an acknowledgement of who I am. I want to see that. I want to see that acknowledgement of who I am. And that acknowledgement, ultimately the final act of submission, God, I'm yours. You own me, Lord. I bow before you. I give you everything that I am. What represented there in that simple act of circumcision. Uh, and so you see it. And so this, this, for us today, the act of physical act of circumcision has an overriding spiritual meaning. It's not just the, act of, the physical act of circumcision. Really, 
for us, that has rather paled uh, in importance. Uh, obviously, doctors still do it for health reasons. But for us, there's a spiritual aspect of this, a circumcision in the spirit that God is talking about here. I want you to turn, if you would, and look at Romans chapter 2. And as you know, I always try to teach the New Testament in conjunction with the Old Testament. There is one Bible. There's not two Bibles. There's one Bible. Uh, and the Old Testament gives us uh, a certain typology. It shows us a certain way of, of life. And the New Testament elevates it into the spirit world through Jesus Christ. And so you see this now, Romans chapter 2, verse 28. Well, actually, we'll start with verse 25. Circumcision, and this, by the way, this is Paul writing this. Circumcision has value if you observe the law. But if you break the law, you have become as though you had not been circumcised. Just think about that. Merely having the physical circumcision does not mean that physical act in and of itself. That physical act doesn't mean that you're God's people. The question is, have you combined that physical act with a, uh, a submission of the spirit? Have you accepted God in your heart? Not just the physical act, and you see that here. If those who are not circumcised keep the law's requirements, will they not be regarded as though they were circumcised? How's that? That's exactly right. Even if you weren't physically circumcised, but you adhere to the law, you're God's people. The one who is not circumcised physically and yet obeys the law will condemn you who, even though you have the written code, and circumcision are a lawbreaker. So you just can't say, I am the circumcised one. I am the chosen people. I am a Jew. It's not enough. It's not enough. God now elevates it to look into the heart. I want to see your heart. I want to see if you've submitted yourself to me. Are you conforming yourself to what I've said I expect? Verse 28, a man is not a Jew if he is only one outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a man is a Jew if he is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit, not by the written code. Such a man's praise is not from men, but from God. Amen? So let's understand it. God wants to see if your heart has been circumcised. Why else would he take three million people Bring them across the Jordan River. Get ready to take the land that he has given them. Knowing that there are enemies there that will have to be destroyed. And before they step out one day, does he say to them, you have to be circumcised first. Why? Even though that would physically debilitate them. Why? Because God recognized that you're not advancing anywhere in this world uh, through him unless you have fully given in to him in your heart. Have you accepted God in your heart? Have you bowed to him? Has your heart circumcised? Do you really accept God's word? Do you understand when he's chastising you or putting you through trials? Do you understand that God is trying to form you? Or instead, are, is, is, are you one of those people that is merely physically circumcised and, and have not had a heart challenge? Uh, and you see this to me, the fact that God did this right there, right there on the banks of Gilgal, right there on the banks of the Jordan River, tells me how important this is, how significant this is. Look also, if you would, at Colossians chapter 2. We'll start with verse 9. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. 
And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In him, you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. How about that? Jesus has circumcised your heart. When you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that very covenantal act that the Jews did, that comported themselves with what God wanted with Abraham, is now fully according to the word of God through Jesus Christ. Jesus has taken the act of circumcision, which was a physical act in the flesh, and has taken it to another level of the heart. And what a powerful verse that is. And so you see that the circumcision is spiritual. It's not physical. It's spiritual. Uh, and it refers to our heart. Uh, and, and what does it do? It tells us, when we do that, we remember what God has done in the past. We know what God has done in the past for his people. Just like he did at the Jordan River. Just like he did at the Red Sea. And when you've accepted Jesus Christ and through the circumcision of the Spirit, you are there just as the Jewish people were. And so it's amazing. And so you see that as God brings them to this point, to where he's, he's effectively ready to be able to step them out and move forward in this world, you understand that God is mightier than your enemies. He was mightier than your enemies when you crossed the Jordan River. And he's mightier than your enemies today. I don't care who it is. I don't care what it is. I don't care what you face. What power that's against you. And there are many demonic powers that are against us today. God is out, Satan is out to try to destroy you. Every day. He doesn't want you walking in the kingdom. And by the way, do you think he's worried about some poor guy out in the street who's lost in the world? He's, he doesn't worry about him. He's worried about you. You're a problem. You see? You're a problem because you're with Jesus and you're going to affect your family and you're going to affect your friends. And after a while, this becomes contagious and Satan doesn't want it. And so you have a target on your back. Believe me, men, you have a target on your back in a powerful way. God wants to uh, Satan wants to knock you down. And so the only way the only way we can walk in this world, just like the Jews there in Canaan and have success is when Jesus Christ is fully imbued within us in our spirit, because only through Jesus can we overcome this world. I want you to turn to John chapter 16, 33. I have told you these things. This is Jesus. So that in me, you may have peace in this world. You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Can I get an amen? Amen. In this world, you're going to have trouble. Who told you that? Jesus. Is it good enough for you that Jesus said it? It's good enough for me. You're going to have trouble in this world. Your body's going to fail. You're going to have sickness. You'll have financial issues. You may have family issues. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have trouble. Why? Because it's a fallen world. Why? Because Satan is controlled. Why? Because we swim in a sea of evil. But through me, you will overcome. Understand that through Jesus Christ, 
you will overcome. Not on your own. So what does it mean? Oh, we crossed the Jordan River. Give me a spear. Give me a spear. I'm ready to go out. I'm going to kill them. I'm feeling my no. No, get circumcised right here. Right here in the presence of your enemies. Get circumcised. Get physically debilitated. Bow down before God. Honor him. Submit to him. Get holy with him. That's what the whole act of circumcision is about. And you see this through me, Christ alone, you will overcome. Look also at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, we are the smell of death. To the other, the fragrance of life. And who is equal to such a task? How do you like that? You want to see what the memorial stones are about? You want to see what it means to be an overcomer? This is why God has said you're going to overcome. Because when you have submitted to him, when you are circumcised in your heart, there is a fragrance that follows you that is the aroma of Jesus Christ. You don't even realize it. You don't even recognize it. Just like I sat next to that woman in the seat in the plane. I was unconscious about what that was about. And yet God had planned it. That the very aroma of the fact that I served a living God would spread itself to that lady so that she would say to me, God, put you in that seat for me. This is what's going to happen in your lives when you, when you become circumcised in the heart. This is You see this. And that aroma not only elevates, not only affirms the people of God, but what does it do? It even tells people who are lost. They smell death. You understand? That's, pretty, that's a pretty powerful phrase there, isn't it? That's a pretty powerful phrase there. Uh, to the one we are the smell of death, to the other the fragrance of life. What does it mean? It means that God is using you to be a poster child of what it means to be sold out for Christ. We are walking among dead men walking. We are walking in a world in which the predominance in this world is death. They will all face both physical death and spiritual death. And you, because you've been circumcised in the heart, you are a representative of the aroma of Jesus Christ. And you see here that God will use that aroma... To make people who are lost know there's something wrong. You have something that I don't have. You have a life that I don't have. You understand this. This is how God works. This is the amazing thing. How God deigns to use miserable humanity for this purpose. I mean, honestly, you would say, God, why, why don't you use angels? He does not. He does not use angels to spread the gospel. He uses men and women who have warts and failings in so many ways. And you see this, this glorious picture. Wow, this is so powerful to me. And it all comes together because they're standing there on the banks of the river. They're standing there, and you see that. And so our need is to be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Wow. 
I won't read the whole section, but can you imagine? Put on the whole armor of God. You're circumcised in your heart. You're submitted to God. You're standing on the banks of the river. Great things are going to be used through you. Not through your might. Not through your talent or your physical gifts. But because God is going to use you because you've submitted to him. In a broken sense. Lord, I'm yours. If it were me, God, I'd reach out right now and start marching. No. No. You don't start marching. You bow first and get your heart circumcised. You get circumcised in every way. And then, after you've recovered, after you're my child, after you're fully imbued with my spirit, now you can reach out and you put on the full armor of God. You can't walk in this world. You can't face evil in this world unless you try to face it with God. Only through Jesus can you overcome. And you understand the power of this, this uh, study. When I look at the Jewish people, imagine you wandered for 40 years in the desert. You were fed every night by manna. You couldn't even find food. He took care of it and he brought you this manna. All right, God took care of you. Why? Because you weren't obedient. 40 years earlier, he gave you the chance to go into the promised land. And what did you do? No, no, no. No. No, we want to do our own thing. We don't, we don't want to do God's thing. We want to do our own thing. You want to do your own thing? Is that what you're telling God? And how many of us have told God this? I've done this. I've been there. I've told God I want to do my own thing. Go ahead. You want to do your own thing? Go ahead. Are you, are you satisfied? Have you made enough of a mess of your life? Look at us. You know, some of us have been through multiple marriages. Some of us have been estranged from our children. Why? Because we wanted to do our own thing. You understand? We're smart. We're well-educated. We have winsome personalities. We can detract. Yes, we want to do our own thing. And yet, instead, you understand when they crossed the river, what was their own thing? Let's go marching. No, it's not. Let's go marching. Let's get circumcised. Let's get circumcised. Are you kidding me? Let's get circumcised with these rusty old flint knives? Where's the anesthesia? Are you kidding me? Yes. Yes. That's what I want. I want that. I want that. I want that ultimate act of submission and obedience, even when it, when it doesn't make sense, even when, when it seems incredible. And so circumcision symbolizes the faith, the faith in God and what God would allow them to do through his strength. It's unbelievable. You see this, that God would allow them and through him, give them the strength to reach out and do things that they never could have done, but for God being with them and that they had the faith. And so the lesson in this is that God is saying that in order to be victorious against the enemy of the land, you must be a holy people and trust him to fight your battles. That's the lesson. You want to have a good life? You want to have a successful life? You want to have a life that's, that's in comporting with God's will? Then you've got to be a holy person. You need to be circumcised in your heart. Uh, and it's interesting here. Because one of the things that God says uh, in this set of verses is that as a result of them going through this rite of circumcision, he says that he will take away the reproach of Egypt. Have you noticed that? He will take away the reproach of Egypt. Meaning what? The reproach of Egypt. Meaning this. You left Egypt 40 years ago, and you should have been in the promised land then. Okay? 
You should have been there for 40 years. And now you've wandered around the desert. And I've wiped out everybody that was 20 years old or older. That's the reproach of Egypt. You couldn't get Egypt out of your heart. You still were reflecting back on those days of Egypt. Some of you still worship those gods. You haven't really fully committed yourself to God. All right, sure, you got circumcised, but it was a physical circumcision. It wasn't a heart circumcision. You understand, and God sees that. So what's the antidote? Wander in the desert. Go ahead. Go ahead. Spend 40 years wandering around in the desert. And when I eliminate everybody that's over 20, let's get back to where we were 40 years before. Now, let's cross a new river. I took you to the Red Sea before, and you failed. Now let's try it again. Let's get to the Jordan River, and now you'll see my power again. We'll cross over. And now when we cross over, when we get on the banks, and you see that I have been with you, and that your enemies are demoralized and fail, you will recognize that you're not going anywhere without me, that you're not going to overcome anybody without me, that if you put me first in your life, you put me first in your life in every single aspect of your life. I don't care what it is. I don't care who it is. I don't care where it is. You will overcome. Amen. Amen. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Father. Thank you so much for the words that you've given us, for the lessons that you've given us. Lord, we understand the circumcision of heart. Lord, help us today to have our hearts circumcised, Father, to bow before you and to commit ourselves to you, to be the priests of our home, to be, the, to be the examples that you want us to be, to lead our families, to lead our country clubs, to lead our churches, God, in simple submission to you because we know, Lord, that when we bow to you, you will take care of us. You will fight our battles. You will be our God. Let us be that poster child in this world. Lord, bless our people. Protect them this week and bring them back safely to continue the study of your word. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to 66 Lessons for Life, the men's Bible study taught by John Garippa and recorded live at the Naples Conference Center in Naples, Florida. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding so that you, the man of God, would be thoroughly equipped for every good work. For more information about the program or attending the Naples Men's Bible Study at the Naples Conference Center, go to our website at 66lessonsforlife.com.